with this new platform, our goal is to really have instead of kind of having yeah like this figurehead telling you like this is the news, this is what's happening, having people be able to like, well, I'm looking around me and this is what I'm seeing in my community. Like, does that match? Does that match this reality over here? Are they different realities? Like, what are, what is everyone thinking about? What are we talking about? What are our what are our collective opinions? Not what's the opinion kind of being told to us? And can we have a reaction to it? And can that reaction influence others? Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with a special podcast. This time around, I spoke to Hannah Russell Goodson. She's a community manager at Blab. A few months ago, I'd heard about uh, this platform called PodClear. I'm always kind of a lookout for different ways that we can re- sort of record audio remotely for the podcast. Um, we've had sort of hit and miss uh, experiences with Skype and and uh, Google Hangouts. So, like I said, I'm always looking for something different. And uh, I'd heard that PodClear was a really good platform, and I had just gotten to the point where I was about to reach out to them, and then they were acquired by Blab. And Blab is a online video streaming uh, application uh, where you can bring in multiple people and uh, you know record conversations. And because it's going on live, um, people can participate in those conversations. So I reached out to Blab, and Hannah contacted me. And she suggested that we actually, rather than do a phone interview, which is what I would normally do, that we actually do a blab. So this podcast is the audio from our live streaming uh, conversation that we had about a week ago. If you're interested in viewing the video, it'll be on our website with uh, this episode, uh, warts and all, because I was sort of approaching it as, you know, somebody who'd never used the technology before that, you know, had a lot of questions about how to do this and that. Um, it, it's a, it's a somewhat different type type of podcast. I, I'm, I interview and I talk to Hannah, but I'm also at the same time experiencing Blab for the first time, and and hopefully you'll you'll glean something from that about how uh, how good a uh, a piece of technology it is for recording conversations remotely. My review of it, my review of the experience, in general, I was pretty pleased with the quality of the audio that came out of it. I was also um, pleased with the ease with which I was able to get the audio and, of course, the video. Um, you know, not that I'm going to do anything with video beyond what I've already done in embedding the player on our website. I give I give it pretty strong grades as far as uh, the experience of uh, doing live streaming. And it may be something we do in the future, uh, not to replace the podcast per se, but uh, to sort of enhance uh, our uh, listener engagement. You know, maybe we'll do some regular live streaming events where people can come and ask us questions and sort of suggest topics and things like that. So in the meantime, here's my conversation with Hannah Russell Gordon of uh, Blab and uh, my first experiences with this wonderful platform. Oh, this is great. No, um, and, and I do want to find out about Blab. I, one of the things I was just talking about was that this was seemed like a pretty easy platform to figure out. Yeah, um, we try to make it pretty intuitive. As we, you know, add a few more features, sometimes things get a little bit less intuitive, but we're doing our best to keep it, you know, like push a button, get started. <laughs> okay, well, cool. I uh, um, Now, let me, let me, you know, be the podcast host and, and introduce you. You're, you're Hannah Russell Goodson. 
and uh, you're a community manager at Blab, a team member there. And how long have you been with Blab? Um, it's going to be just about three months, which is okay. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it went so, fast. So what, what did you do before this? So before we joined Team Blab, um, two of the other people who work here, Josh and Spencer, um, and I were all on another team called PodClear. So we started, um, we started this company that was mostly based out of just personal interest. We we're all big podcast listeners. We were listening to podcasts in the car on a road trip, and we were like, this sounds atrocious. Like, why are all these Skype calls and these remote calls, why do they sound so bad? Um, and we decided that we wanted to make something that might fix that, mostly just because we were interested in solving the problem. Um, and it kind of snowballed into a business that we didn't expect to take up so much of our time, but we ended up spending all of our time on it. And it was really fun. You know, we, we learned a lot and we worked really hard and we got to meet tons of cool podcasters along the way. Um, and because the technology is really similar to what we're using here on Blab, the Blab team ended up acquiring our product and also our team so that we could kind of work towards just this greater vision of both high quality and accessible broadcasting for everyone. Now, I had heard about uh, Blab and and actually I was talking to somebody about some audio solutions for podcasters because one of the things I do is I'll, I'll go to uh, conferences and do presentations about how to podcast. And a lot of the questions, very basic questions are, you know, what technology to use. And, and what's especially challenging for a lot of people who, who are doing podcasting on their own, who may not, you know, may not like me work for a radio station where I have access to phones that have really good sound quality and I can, I can record off of, is, you know, how to do this remotely. So I had heard about PodClear actually. And uh, I was going to pursue it and try to find somebody there at PodClear that I talked to for the podcast. And it turns out that uh, it was acquired by uh, by Blab. And I, and I reached out to the Blab team. And it turned out that then I, I could um, sort of roll them all together. And I've had, I, don't, I don't have any experience clearly uh, with uh, live video streaming or very limited experience. And, and so I thought, you know, this would be a good opportunity to talk about this. And you were the one who suggested, well, why don't we do this as a blab? And so that's kind of why we're doing this. But anyway, you, you talk about you're sort of coming from a podcasting you know, end of it uh, or an interest of it. You know, what, what do you see are the advantages for, for podcasters? Um, you know, I think that this platform is really cool, mostly from, you know, those people who are doing podcasts that are incredibly stories pieced together and really meticulously edited this you know live this live type feeling may not be exactly what they need for their podcast but i think regardless it's an incredible way for you to connect with the people that you're trying to have as an audience um so like the number one thing that i feel like that i get from podcasting as a listener is that you feel this intimacy with the person who's telling you whether it's advice whether it's a story they're telling whether it's um some sort of class or some sort of whatever it is that they're talking about, you feel this intimacy with that person and you listen to them over and over. It's usually a serial type thing. I think that sometimes the connection you miss is that you hear them all the time, but you don't ever get to say anything back. And I even find myself being like, oh, like I wish I could have this conversation with this person or ask them a question. Um, and sometimes they're not as easy to, to approach as you know, as you might like, like them to be. And so it's been really incredible, I think, to watch podcasters, even if they're not doing their regular podcast on here, maybe they do, you know, they, they're great setup. they do all their editing, they put out their regular podcasts. But at very least, we see some podcasters coming on here and just using it as a way to connect with uh, fans, with listeners, um, to do a live episode every once in a while, 
just to get that kind of live excitement feeling, to have it be a little bit more off the cuff, kind of that, I think there's something very raw and real about podcasting. Like it kind of started with, I just have a few pieces of equipment. I just want to get my word out there. I just want to be able to put this out in the world. And I think that going back to a live unedited show can kind of bring some of the magic back into a heavily edited podcast. And I love, you know, the ones that are really meticulously edited and really well-produced, but it's really fun to watch live shows and to see people find that connection with uh, the people they've been maybe talking to for years and vice versa, the people who have been listening for years get to have that connection with one of their heroes and watch kind of new, interesting conversations emerge from that. Yeah, I, I see that definitely as an advantage of something like this, where you, you, you can make that connection with your readers or your listeners, and it helps you sort of, you know, develop a dialogue to find out what they're thinking about and maybe sort of incorporate that into the podcasting that you're doing. And also from a, a promotional standpoint, it's another platform to sort of get your message out and, you know, find new listeners. Um, you know, that's really kind of uh, really kind of crucial as you're trying to grow your podcast. Now, one of the other things, you know, that I was thinking about in the past, you know, we'd looked early on into upstream as to whether, you know, to maybe do do something like this where we would have, you know, occasional live video or, or you know, and now that we now there are things like Periscope and Meerkat, you know, how does this platform, do you think, compare to those ones? You know, I think it's, I think a lot of people compare us to some of these other uh, live streaming platforms, which is fair because it is all, you know, we are live streaming. It is about kind of that real-time connection. But I think one of the, one of the biggest differences is this is, because it's conversational, it is actually real-time. So like Periscope has a delay because it's um, one to many. So you can have a delay and it doesn't really matter. But the thing that I think is really incredible about this platform is it doesn't, it's not about fostering that kind of like uh, selfie culture where it's like, this is what I'm doing right now. Like everyone come watch me and like, I'm just going to like talk at you and not really get any feedback. There's definitely a cool time and place for that. But this platform really cultivates something that, that I like, which is conversation, which is discussion, which is about picking a topic and being able to hear opinions from all over the world. Like we just implemented this map feature and it's been really incredible to go in and be like, wow, there are actually people from like, not only across the country, but at the same time, people in, Australia and Europe and South America and Africa and Europe all talking about one topic at once and having opinions about it. I don't know. I think it's really cool to be able to open that up so it's not just a one-to-many dialogue. It becomes um, everyone's getting information both ways, and it allows for people to jump into that conversation whenever they feel inspired, kind of have a side conversation with this chat. So I think it's, it's really a different it's a different product. It's for a different um, end goal. And to sort of to talk about what my podcast is about and, and kind of the approach of it, you know, we're, we're talking to journalists about because our industry is changing. And, and one of the things that the digital technology has changed about it is this idea that the news may, the, the news gatherers are, are broadcasting at you. They're, they're, you know, in the past, there hasn't been a lot of exchange with your listeners and, and, and a dialogue with them. You know, platforms like this, you're, are, even Twitter and Facebook and things like that, are opening up a dialogue with your audience. And I find that very exciting. Because, um, you know, you become less the gatekeeper of the news. You, you're actually involving your your audience more in the, re, the reporting and the, you know, the story choice and the thinking behind a lot of the stories that you're doing. So, you know. Absolutely. I feel like this this type of platform is going to change. I mean, part of our goals are it's going to change the way way we influence media and the way media influences us, the way that journalism has typically been done for many, many years now. I think that 
um, with this new platform, our goal is to really have instead of kind of having yeah like this figurehead telling you like this is the news this is what's happening having people be able to like well i'm looking around me and this is what i'm seeing in my community like does that match does that match this reality over here are they different realities like what are, what is everyone thinking about what are we talking about what are our what are our collective opinions not what's the opinion kind of being told to us and can we have a reaction to it and can that reaction influence others so i think one of our big goals and actually some of the partnerships that we've been making over the past, I mean, we're pretty young now, so I guess over the past few weeks <laughs> has really been about, um, yeah, like partnering with traditional media and news sources and seeing like, well, how can we implement this and um, make a little bit of a change, right? Like not, not completely shift it all at once, but make this small change where it's like, okay, how can some voices interject? How can people who are traditionally writing these stories or telling, telling the story of news interact with the people that they're trying to talk to and get some feedback in the other direction and have the whole world be able to see that and see that it's happening. And um, I think it's going to be a really cool thing to start to see. Uh, we, you know, we've seen it some with like commentary. You go to a news site now and you can like leave comments on articles, but if it can get a little bit more civil when you're not just like hiding behind text, but you know, if you're showing your face and saying like, this is important to me and I want to talk about my experience with this or my opinion on this, and a few people can have a dialogue about it. I think that's going to be a really powerful thing for the way that we digest news and information. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of people out there in journalism who are, who are interested in, in fostering those type of conversations. We just posted a podcast uh, with Natalie de Blasio, who is a, a social media editor at uh, USA Today. And, you know, that was one of the things she was talking about is exploring these different platforms. She was in particular talking about Periscope, you know, listening and seeing what the audience, the way they tell stories and, and how we can sort of learn from that and incorporate that in, in the way we, we cover the news. This is a really kind of exciting time for us, for journalists, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of the old rules don't really kind of stand anymore. And, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for people to be creative in, in finding new ways of, of expressing themselves, but also you know, reaching their audiences and finding new audiences. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I, I, I kind of do this. We, we do have a question on here. And, um, you know, I encourage anybody out there who has a question uh, to go ahead and put it up here for us. And we, we will have to answer it to our, our best of ability. But uh, this is for, for Han this is from um, so, uh, SOU Broadcasting. Uh, for Hannah, can Blab have any way faster for to post on Twitter? Because when you post on it on Twitter, it lags out. So, there is there any way you can solve that? Is that a, is that a technical problem that you guys are, are trying to tackle? Um, so with posting on Twitter right now, um, when you post from the web interface, um, we actually capture. So it's kind of part of making it feel alive, like a big a big thing for us. The reason we have props, the reason that we have this map that kind of like glows, all of this stuff is to make it not just feel. Um, feel like you're watching some like news broadcast, but rather that you're involved and it feels alive. You can answer, you can ask questions. And so a big piece of that is when we tweet um, out, we put a GIF in there. So it kind of shows this like moving image, like this is what's happening right now um, as kind of an enticement to like, well, of course you want to be here live. It's way more fun than watching the replay. So that GIF does take some time to like load. If you want to just tweet it without that, you can like exit out and it'll post a little bit faster. So not so much a bug, but rather just something that, uh, that we thought would be worthwhile to have like a picture post as well as just the link to get there. Now it, I see that both, you know, again, this is my first, first blab. So I'm, I'm going to ask things that people who are, are more experienced or have watched more blabs than I have 
uh, I'm going to ask a lot of stupid questions. So I see both of us, and I know that, that, that there's the ability to have multiple people uh, involved in the screen here. Mm -hmm. um, how many, what's the, sort of the upper limit on that? Or is there? So, so our upper limit is four. Um, and it's pretty intentional that we chose four. It's because I feel like that's kind of, or well, with Sean, our CEO, kind of his uh, vision with that is like, that's kind of the most people you can have with a comfortable conversation. So we also experience this with PodClear, where technically with WebRTC, like you can put, you know, up to eight or however many boxes, you know, I'm sure people who use Google Hangouts, like you can rotate five or six people in through a conversation. Um, but personally, I actually find that to be rather distracting when I'm on any call with like more than four people at a time, all of a sudden it's really difficult for people to kind of get a word in, you know, there's one person that dominates the conversation. It's a lot to look at. So I think for us, this um, four person limit is a way of kind of being like, these are the four people that are actually involved in the conversation at hand and you can rotate people in and out just kind of like you would at a party. Like they're almost never, if you have like a small group of people, like a group of four people talking together seems to be kind of this magic number. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the nice things about, about podcasting, the, the conversational aspect of it. It, it, it does work, tend to work better in a smaller group, uh, you know, two, yeah. three people. Uh, for people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, we, you can just do one as well. You know, there are people who do um, one to many. We see this every once in a while where it's some sort of like um, coach or a famous author or somebody who, you know, has an audience certainly. they want to reach. Um, and that's, you know, they kind of just like talk about their experience. Although it always gets more exciting, in my opinion, as soon as they have somebody call in as soon as they had somebody ask a question, as soon as they have someone interview them, it just is like much more entertaining to listen to more than one person speak at a time. Oh, and we have Alice Fuller joining us. Where are you from, Alice? North Carolina. Oh, cool. North Carolina, cool. Now, mm -hmm. And I should say this, Hannah, you're in, you're in California, right? Well, I, I just relocated from oh. LA to oh. North Carolina, but I I'm so. from North Carolina. Oh, okay. awesome. <laughs> so, so what did you have something to say? You want to talk yeah, about? I was. Uh, it was a title that caught my attention. I literally just did a um, a blab about this with a. Uh, Oh gosh, can't think what his name is now. Uh, Kern, I think Robert, and we were talking about oh, yeah. the same thing. It was, well, it wasn't necessarily about Blab, but it was about social media mm -hmm. and uh, journalism as a whole. And it's just interesting how I've worked with uh, NBC17, which is a, a um, an own, owned and operated affiliate here in North Carolina. And it's interesting to me how uh, so many journalists now are having to learn these new tools and new, uh, not only just tools, it's one thing to learn the tools, but actually how to use them. Right. And and so many, so many of them are, well, you've got the old school and you've got the new school. The old school, you know, they've got the who, what, when, where, why, they know how to news gather, they know, they know all of that. But then when you ask them to, well, you know, you could get on Blab and, you know, do a focus group, you get on, you could get on Blab and, you know, do that interview. And it's just like, excuse me? <laughs> uh, what? Well, no, yeah. I'm good. I got my I got my trusty recorder here. You know, it's the newest Apple thing <laughs> of a recorder. I'm good with that. And it's just like, well, <laughs> exactly. I got my iPhone. I can record my this. digital voice recorder. You know, at best, I might do a Periscope, but I'm still a little iffy about Periscope. So it's it's just very interesting how the how the tools and the society as a whole has evolved this yeah. whole conversation about journalism and how we create news and how we cover 
news. Well, and, and allow me to, to toot the horn of the podcast, It's All Journalism, which you can find at itsalljournalism.com. We've been doing it for three years, and it seems like every conversation that I have is, is something different about what's going on in journalism. And social media and the technology that's gone, that keeps changing and changing. I mean, Blab just came around. I'm just trying to wrap my head around Periscope, and now I'm going to talk about Blab. <laughs> you know, we've had lots of different people talk about, you know, the way they use social media in, in, in covering the news, whether they, whether they get story tips or they interact with sources, uh, you know, that they first meet them on, you know, on Twitter or you know, they, they even use LinkedIn to, to track down experts or uh, or even Facebook to promote the copy that they're, that they're doing. I mean, a lot of newsrooms, and I can speak from the newsroom that I'm in, we, we're very conscious of the social media, you know, the importance of it into what we're doing. And, and I mentioned before Natalie de Blasio, which is our most recent podcast, the social media editor from uh, USA Today. She talked a lot about, you know, how important it is to, to, re, to find stories and report stories on multiple platforms. If you're writing a story about, you know, a fire, you know, you, you're, you're getting tweets from somebody who's out the scene. Maybe they're shooting video. You're going to incorporate that in your story. Um, you're going to verify facts using social media. Um, you're going to, you know, enrich that story. And then you're going to send it out on that. You're going to write, still going to do your radio or TV or, or your, your print story. And then after the, the story run, you know, runs, it's going to be on your website and you're going to be updating. it. So the, the whole process of journalism has changed in the last mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. And, you know, it, I, one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast, it, you know, was obviously to talk to a lot of journalists and sort of tap their heads in it, but also to, to try to get, the public at large to understand that we're involved in this sort of upheaval in the way we do our jobs. And it's kind of impacting how you're getting the news. And, you know, that's for us, uh, it's just an con- ongoing con- conversation. You know, all the time I'm talking to journalists about, you know, the decisions they make, and, you know, why did you share this story uh, on social media? Why did you tweet this out? Or why didn't you tweet this out? Why did you wait to post it until later, you know, to promote it? You know, what's your responsibility to, to getting the news out in different different platforms? So this is this is a this is a huge conversation in journalism right now. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's gonna be increasingly important, you know, that um, that journalists start to move quickly and like move with where things are headed. Because I think, you know, if you ask anyone, if you ask anyone maybe what, 10 years ago, if they thought that their print publication was going to be fully online or have most of their readership <laughs> or whatever it be, be totally online and through most of it being digested through somebody's smartphone, everyone would have been like, you're crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I, we have all these people here. This is what the numbers show. This is what's happening. Right. And, you know, they would be fools now or some of them are, you know, that it's like some of those publications have died out because they didn't move into to like an internet digest, which is where where things have where things have gone and i think likewise with this kind of live streaming with using so many people get a lot of their news from articles that go up on facebook that go through twitter that go through these places where they're spending their time um, and i think if journalists aren't kind of taking their stories to the places where people are headed then they're not the people who they want to hear those stories aren't going to hear them um, and if they're not using new mediums that kind of resonate with people or you know the medium that allows someone to talk back which is what people want at this point they want to be able to comment on it they want to be able to have a chat in the side or to like say that they appreciate you know that opinion or don't appreciate another one i feel like you know some of those 
even though they have a power in some sense, if it doesn't resonate with the people who they're trying to appeal to, then you lose that power a little bit. And so it's important to kind of be flexible, see where things are headed, see what people want um, and use it like, you know, own it, know it really well and do a good job on that new platform. Yeah. And you said a couple of things in there that are just really kind of important. And, you know, um, recently the, the Washington Post announced that they had surpassed the New York Times in, in, in the number of readers that they had online. And that's, that's kind of huge in the journalism industry. And it's very, and the reason why that's happening, you know, for people who don't realize it, that, you know, the Washington Post was bought by Jeff Bezos of, of Amazon. And, and mm-hmm. he's a man who lives and breathes the web and, and is thinking that way. And so they're, they're building a newsroom that's thinking about about everything from a web perspective. And I think that's where everybody needs to be. And, and the other thing you said, you know, the other thing you said was, uh, you know, how mobile has changed all this. The fact that, that we do get most of our, our, our information on, on our, our cell phones uh, is, is pretty incredible. And, and we, we can't use the same strategies that we used to, uh, to put stories in the newspaper or on, on a TV show or on a radio station if we don't take these other, you know, these other platforms into consideration, because that's where our readers are. I mean, think about how you get your news every day. I know I get my, a ton of my news, obviously from my desktop, because I sit there and I'm, I'm working on a desktop, but I get a lot of it from my cell phone and, you know, and social media. So, you know, I, you know, I, I see that. I know that there, you know, I have to bring my content to where my readers are at. That's the bottom line. And that's where success is going to be. You know, the other thing is a lot of the people don't sort of realize is, you know, with, with all these newspapers that close, close down, the legacy outfits, fits, the large newspapers, they have these incredible costs to, to print newspapers, to distribute newspapers. You know, the disruption of, of digital technology just shifted the, completely shifted the economics of that. And that's, okay. that's huge for this industry. Hannah, you mentioned also uh, Google Hangouts. I know that there'd be people who, who've used Google Hangouts to do, you know, sort of worked it into the way they're, they're covering the news where they'll, they'll have like, you know, people come in and call in on expert with experts and everything. It, it, do you think that this is, it appears that Blab sort of is going to be able to fit into that space as well? The, the, yeah. I mean, we've seen a ton of really amazing things with people doing AMAs. Um, you know, one of the partnerships we have is with Product Hunt, which is a website that kind of releases all the new products for the day that people like makers are making cool things and kind of launch their product on there. And they also do ask me anything question and answer sessions pretty much daily with like thought leaders or people who have made incredible things or people who have written books or musicians or, you know, any number of really interesting people. And we see, yeah, we just see like a ton of really cool engagement there where people are excited to talk to these people that they've admired. You know, the other day it was, we had Kevin Jonas on, who's one of the Jonas brothers from like a, you know, kind of like a teen boy band thing. And we had people from all around the world who were just like over the moon that they got to like get face to face. Like that's not really something you get to do. You don't get to jump on a Skype call with somebody that you've previously thought of as being kind of the author of a book or a musician or someone that's like a little bit unattainable. And like Twitter did some of that where it made people more accessible than just like having to hunt down their email. Like you're never going to get, you know, you're never going to get like Britney Spears email probably, but you can tweet at her if you want to. And it makes people slightly more accessible. And then I think with this, it makes it even like in some ways, even more accessible where that person is like taking the time out of the day to talk to you, to answer questions, um, take questions from the audience. And so we've seen a lot of really cool stuff 
um, in terms of interview, talk show style um, shows that happen here. Um, and I really, I really love watching those. It's just, it's cool to watch that connection happen where people are like really thrilled to be talking to someone that they've admired for a long time. And it's cool to watch the person who, you know, who might be considered a hero to a lot of people just be a human and not be kind of like fully doctored and everything's edited and, you know, you kind of see one version of them. You get to see them live, raw, kind of who they are, stumble over one question, you know, their mannerisms come out and it's, it's really cool to see. I really appreciate, you know, you know, being part of this and getting to facilitate some of that and kind of watch it happen as it, watch it happen as it starts to grow and change. Yeah. It's kind of weird how social media has kind of broken down a lot of the mystique behind, behind celebrity and fame uh, and, you know, making some people accessible because with, with, we've certainly seen it with Twitter where, on the one hand, you have celebrities who are trying to, you know, leverage their 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 Twitter followers into some sort of promotion, uh, you know, vehicle where they're able to to talk to everybody. And then on the other side of it is, you know, it allows the it allows the follower to 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 have a dialogue that they, they didn't have anymore. And and you know, something platforms like this allows that to take it even to a bigger, um, more personal level. Level platforms like this and other social media are are putting you know, tools that you, that were traditionally in the hands of journalists in, in the hands of, you know, regular citizens. And I think that's a great thing. And I think we see that with, with a lot of the change, the social change uh, and protest that has gone on out, th- out there. A, a lot of it's been driven by Twitter and other, and other social media platforms. So, I mean, allowing people who are voiceless to have a voice is usually powerful in, in sort of the new media paradigm that we're, we're kind of in right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's incredibly powerful. And I think, um, I think it's cool to put it in the hands of people. So just like it, just like I'm amazed sometimes, um, you know, seeing that a celebrity is just kind of a normal person, like you get to see kind of the unedited uncut. Like I also am incredibly impressed sometimes seeing people that are essentially, I mean, not no one, but they're, you know, they're just starting out, or they just have a hobby or an interest, or they're just you know, they just have something to say. And I'm sometimes incredibly impressed by um, the eloquence in which they deliver themselves, kind of the ideas they have, the people they bring on, the kind of conversations they choose to facilitate. And so it goes both ways where it's like, sometimes people who are, you know, seemingly uh, really well-spoken or really, you know, famous for A, B, C, or D uh, have those moments where they're just normal. And other people who are maybe not so much on your radar or don't seem like they have a huge presence in the space are incredibly well-spoken and have great things to say. So it's lovely to give those people an opportunity to get in front of an audience and have people respect that and see that there are just like smart people out there with an opinion. And of course it's, you know, there's some danger in it as well. Like for as many great people that you get on, there's like, you know, handing it over and making saying anyone can do this no really like anyone (laughs) like is you know we see also a lot of insane and not and not even just trolling but just like i don't know sometimes you don't want to listen to and maybe it's just a personal opinion right maybe you're just like oh like i'm not so into what that person has to say but i think that also can teach us a lot about it's more about our own interests right you get to know you're like that's for somebody like there are niches out there where you're like there are a thousand people like watching that right now and I would never choose to be part of that but it it goes to show that you know kind of the the basics that we've been getting given in the media don't fit to everyone's niche or need and so to have a platform like this where somebody can get on here and talk about 
whatever strange thing they're into. You know, they're really into origami or they're really into <laughs> cricket or they're really into it's the origami like, hour. Yeah, exactly. Knitting like a certain type of wine. Like they're really into like this really strange event that happened in Russia in 1943. And you're like, oh, like, great. Like, cool. There are tons of people who are into that. And I really love being on a platform where you can find things that you never thought you would be interested in and that there are people who are really smart who are talking about it. And also they're just going to be, you know, it's the nature of things. They're also going to be things that you're just not interested in and you can just not listen. And so it's, it's cool to watch those things kind of, you know, just human culture come out of the woodwork here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely say that. I'm going to mention a couple of things. Faith Girl has said that, that in talking about podcasts, it, it's replaced music and she's addicted uh, to talk radio and podcasting. I, you know, I used to listen to, to talk radio a lot and then I got into podcasting and, you know, that's of course what inspired, inspired me to do a podcast as well. And, you know, sort of like what we're talking about here with lab. I mean, the, the idea of a conversation, uh, uh, people sharing ideas, even, even famous people just, you know, humanizing them very much. I mean, some of the podcasts that I listen to, you know, Mark Maron and, and the Nerdist and things like that, where, you know, there's some really interesting conversation that's more than just what you would get on Entertainment Tonight or, or, or whatever. It's a five-minute conversation where you have an hour, you know, Mark Maron talks to the president and you have a very different perspective of uh, the, the president because he's in a different sort of setting. So, I mean, the, the medium is also, I think, sh- shaping uh, the way these conversations are, are, are going. Uh, grab a couple of these other sort of questions. What about engagement and interaction, Mr. Millionaire? Uh, Millionaire Steve. Yeah, engagement and interaction, I think, is a huge sort of uh, element to uh, what platforms like this, what social media is providing for for newsrooms. I mean, it used to be, and you know, we kind of touched on it before, it was the the, the news outlet was the broadcaster. It was talking to people. And, and now it's more about a dialogue that we're, you know, that we're sort of, sh- you know, sharing the information uh, and then, you know, getting feedback on it and sort of building on, on it and, and promoting uh, the idea of a dialogue with your audience. Uh, and, and then, you know, creating a richer relationship with your audience that, you know, that these are the types of things that, that really, really, um, you know, I, I think are really exciting about, about where, where journalism is going at this point. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like you're, you know, what are you if not your audience in that sense, right? Like you don't, I feel like a lot of journalists don't just seek to tell stories because, um, you know, they want to get it all down on paper and they just need a way to like, you know, get it out. They want to, they want to cultivate something, an emotion or an action or, um, some sort of realization in the people that they're writing to and the people that are reading that or listening to it or watching it. Um, and I think that when you get direct feedback about what kind of emotion you're you're cultivating, and sometimes it's not exactly the one you thought it was, sometimes it's better, sometimes it's something more interesting, maybe you're eliciting um, like a more heated, angry response than you anticipated, but maybe that's a good thing and maybe you learn from that. And so I think you know, it's kind of this direct feedback loop makes all of us a little bit more aware about what sets us off, what kind of story we're telling. And it helps us all keep to keep us all a little bit more honest, I think, like, you, especially when it's live, of course, if you make this do a podcast, there are things you can edit out. Um, But this version, if someone's watching you, um, and you're speaking off the cuff, and just, you know, as it comes to you, you can't backtrack as easily, you can't cover it up as easily. And I think it brings this cool element of honesty, where you really get to see 
what someone's thinking in that moment, what their thought process is, how passionate they are about something, the, the inflection in their voice, the way their face moves, like you get to see a little bit more about what they're bringing to the table. Um, and that kind of human engagement is something that you miss sometimes when you're just reading an article or just listening to something on the news or watching TV. Um, and so I think it can bring it brings a lot of exciting things to the table. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I like about podcasting, um, the long form podcast where you, you have longer conversations and you actually get to see, you know, as you said, how people think. And, and that makes, again, more human, you have a greater understanding of who they are and, and what their perspective is. And, you know, you may find somebody, I've had many experiences of listening to podcasts where people that I thought I would never have any interest in learning to about or listening to, and then finding all these amazing things about them and having completely different, um, you know, perception. And the same thing with, with the podcast that I do, you know, just talking to people, just having a conversation. I, I've just learned so much from just asking questions and being interested and being, being curious uh, about, you know, the way people do their jobs, the way people that live their lives and, and their perspective and, and how is it different? Um, that's been hugely rewarding uh, to me, maybe not financially, but <laughs> there, there, I can imagine somebody could leverage something like this. Um, so we've been talking for a while here. I'm going to, maybe we should sort of start thinking about wrapping up, although I guess we could talk forever uh, <laughs> on this thing. I, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, I did want to mention, um, you guys are going to be having a podcast Fan Appreciation Day in January, we January are. 13th. Can you, can you sort of talk about that? Yeah. So I think it, you know, we've seen a lot of podcasters using this platform to, whether it's record live or just to connect with fans. Um, and so we wanted to, I don't know, pay tribute to that a little bit. We've done another event that was called PodCon, where we brought on, um, you know, kind of a wide array of different podcasters and different topics to kind of talk about their experience and their story of becoming a podcaster. And now we want to kind of open up the floor and just make a day where anyone who has a podcast can come on, let their audience know that they're going to be here available. They're making themselves available for however much time they have, whether it's 15 minutes or two hours or all day. And they can make it any format they want. But the idea is to get fan engagement, to answer questions live, to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation, to not just be the voice in their ear, but kind of see see the people who have been listening to you for a while and um, hear who they are and get to know them a little bit. So we're really excited to host it. We have, I think we already have like 50 different podcasters oh, wow. who are signed up to join us for that day. And we hope to get more. And it's going to just be kind of this culminating event where fans get to meet their heroes that are podcasters and, you know, kind of that cross promotion where people who already listen to podcasts might see that there are new podcasts on Vlad that they're interested in checking out and get to meet those hosts. And yeah, we just think it'll be a really cool event. So any podcasters who are who are interested, please stop by and we'll help you out getting things set up. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. Now I'm going to sort of bring this into a landing. And for those of you who may have come late into this, the idea was that we're going to, I'm doing this. This is the first time I, I've blabbed. We're recording this podcast, partly as an instructional thing for journalists who might, who don't might, don't maybe understand the, the, the platform and you're trying to want to learn how to do it. Very easy to sign on. Now I'm at the point where I want to sign off. What, what are my considerations? What do I need to be thinking about at this point? Beyond just um, saying, hey, this is great. Goodbye. So what do, what do I do to unhook this thing and, and wrap it up and make sure I have audio that I can use and video I can use for, for my podcast or whatever journalistic endeavor I may need to, may need to do? 
Awesome. So a lot of times if we see people recording things live, sometimes people will kind of hit the pause recording button and do like, oh, a sigh of relief or off air, maybe take a couple more questions. But in order to get all of that audio and video, the next thing is really just, you know, you close this down, it processes on our end, and you'll have you'll have the video replay available here on Blab. You can embed that on any website, any blog. So a really cool use case is we see bloggers or journalists putting this at the bottom of an article being like, I'm going to talk about this at this time. And then the replay lives on there and it becomes part of that journalistic endeavor. Um, so you can put this um, in anything else. And then you also get a downloadable video so that you can download it and edit it and repurpose it for whatever you need. There's a one-click upload to YouTube. So if you're a YouTuber and you have a channel um, or if the company you work for has a channel, you can upload these interviews um, or podcast recordings straight to that. And you'll also get a downloadable just audio version. So you'll have the audio that you can mess with and edit and turn into a podcast immediately. So we make it really easy to kind of go from this platform to a variety of other platforms that we know people are also using. So it just kind of is seamless. And that's, that's a really nice feature. And also the nice feature of being able to embed it on a website. I know like people who like podcasters who use something like SoundCloud uh, or Audioboom, which which give them a, an embeddable player to put on the, the, their website. That's all they really want, kind of want to deal with. But, you know, what we use for our podcast, we use an audio file. We'll, we'll edit it down and we'll we'll, uh, we'll share it out. So what I'll do with this is I'll, you know, I'll take it out and and, and I'll embed the file in, in, in our story on our page so people can view it. But then I'll also for our podcast listeners, the people who are going to want to listen to our audio, I'll, I'll download it and post it, you know, post the audio as a, as an episode. So is there anything else going on before we sign off that, that, that you want to get out there about Blab? Um, well, we have a lot of exciting things coming out. So I guess just uh, stay tuned. You know, we're, we're really an available team, which I think is one of my favorite parts about working here is that, you know, everyone who works in this office, we're a small team. There are only 14 of us, but we're all pretty much available via email, Twitter. You can jump on a Blab with us face-to-face. -face. We pretty much tell our, you know, we tell our audience, we tell our users you know, we're experimenting with this. This is broken. This is not like we're still in beta. We're the playing work around. In progress. With it. Exactly. And it's been, you know, I think it's really fun. It's that honesty piece. We try to like, we let people into our lives pretty much 100%. So if people have questions, we're available. Um, and we're excited to help you get started. If you like, this is something that's interesting to do. If you want to start your own show, we're here to help you out. Well, cool. This was mostly painless. Actually, I think it's, it was like almost all painless. We'll see how it is. I'm trusting you that when I turn this off, I'll, I'll be able to have everything I need. But uh, I, re thanks a lot, Hannah. This has been great. It's been a great experience. It's really kind of fun uh, to play with a new sort of tool here, and sort of learn something and have a conversation uh, with somebody who's very friendly and very helpful. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to come on and I look forward to seeing you around. Okay. Take care. Well, as you can see, that was sort of a uh, pretty painless experience uh, with Blab. As I said, I was pretty pleased with uh, the end result and uh, the ease with which I was able to get the audio and video. Uh, I received both uh, and a link to the, or should say the embed code, uh, within a few minutes after I'd signed off. Uh, I did want to make a note about uh, the podcast that you just listened to. I did an edit out a section of it, I, our conversation with, I believe the woman's name was Laura. And uh, the reason we did that was because we were getting a lot of feedback. And when I set up the uh, interview with Hannah, uh, she recommended that I use an external microphone and headphones 
in that to to get the best results possible. And uh, Laura was uh, didn't have headphones or, or an external mic. She was relying on the mic and uh, uh, speakers on her laptop, and that was sort of creating feedback. And I decided to you know I could have you know left it in as sort of an extra instructional for you know what you might encounter when using Blab, but I realized I, I thought for you know people just listening to it as a podcasting experience it wasn't particularly pleasant. So I took that section out, but the you know the bulk of uh, our conversation is there, and and I hope you enjoy it. I, I had a good time, and and I feel pretty good about uh, the Blab experience. And I uh, would recommend it to anybody who's uh, interested in finding a way to record audio remotely or video remotely or live stream uh, a conversation, do a do a video podcast or you know some sort of other way to involve video in your journalism and your reporting. Uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, we'll have we'll be back next week with another podcast. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.